Welcome to our revival service this evening. It's good to see you all here. And uh, we've got some great plans for this service as we move into the new year and into February. Um, some of the things that we're going to do is we're going to bring an even more increased emphasis on the prophetic and also evangelism. In the beginning of February, we're going to start evangelistic street teams that are going to go out on the streets on Sunday afternoons around 4 o'clock. They're going to preach the gospel. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to invite people to the revival service. And then they're going to come to the revival service, those red-hot evangelists, and they're going to give testimonies about what God has been doing during that day. So that's what we're going to be doing in February. And Christian is already organizing that, and you're all welcome to be part of those Sunday evangelistic revival teams. Also, over the last year or so, um, uh, under our senior minister's um, leadership, we have been identifying through our cell leaders some of the prophets that are amongst us and the prophetic ministries that are in this church and in the cell groups and the different levels of those prophetic ministry. And so at the end of this month, we're going to take those people that are on that list and that we've been through and that we've trained, and we're going to bring them in to join with the ministry team that we already have that minister faithfully week, uh, week in, week out. And so then we're going to bring that prophetic presbytery, join it with the ministry team as one, and we're going to increase the prophetic output from this platform. Uh, and the last two services that we had in uh, last year, I'm going to do it ag again tonight, we brought the ministry team on the platform, and we just said, Lord, what are you saying to us? And um, we had more prophecies in, a, in, in, a, in just a few minutes because there was many people hearing the Lord that touched many people than you could do with one person or just two like myself and Christian and Gabriel. And so we're going to increase that. This is going to be a place where people will hear the word of the Lord, not just the preaching of the word of the Lord, but there's going to be an increased opening of prophetic ministry that will also identify what God is doing in healing and touching people's bodies. So we're going to release the prophetic. We're going to release the evangelism. Our senior minister is also going to join us. I've just got to find some dates that work. He's going to be joining us on some of these evenings next Friday because I don't know about you, but I'm not content. I'm not content. And uh, it was wonderful uh, last Sunday to have CFAN with us in all those services. And uh, last evening was just a wonderful wake-up call. It was just uh, amazing to hear Nathan just ringing the bell, wake up, wake up, wake up in the Spirit. And so our desire, and, uh, and, and we want everybody in this place to, to, to feel part of that and to join us. If you say, well, I'd like to be part of the min ministry team, we'll speak to one of the ministry team at the end of the services. You do need to be a disciple here at Kensington Temple and part of a cell group, but we can tell you the way that we're going, and we've got a training coming up very soon at the end of the month. And um, if, you're no, if you're known to us through your cells, then uh, you can be part of that training. Last Saturday, I think it is, of the month um, and, 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 and everything. If you say, oh, well, I'm, I'm new to KT. I'm not in a cell group. Speak to one of the ministry team at the end of the service, and we'll find the right cell group for you, and you can begin your journey with us. Begin your journey with us with the Living Free that starts next Tuesday, a powerful course that will put in 
the foundations, even if you've been a Christian for a long while, it will check your foundations and put in your foundations and deal with the issues of the past and put you on the road to discipleship. If you say, well, I've done living free, I'm already in a cell, don't stop. Keep growing. You can't, you, you can't stagnate in the kingdom of God. You're either moving forward in the kingdom of God or you're sliding back. You can't just, what is it, tread water in the kingdom of God. You're either getting on top or you're going below. Come on, Tuesday evening, and join our mastering leadership and train to be a leader. Join us in this house as we, we need you. We need you. You say, what, me? Yes, you. Even if you are just a, an attender that comes here and there at KT, and we, we hope that you get blessed and, and, and everything, but we need you. We need you. The work's too great for us. And those that are doing it are carrying a, a load that needs to be shared. Don't let the devil lie to you. You've got something to give to us. You've got something to give to God through us. You, you can take a step and become part of us and join with us and we'll help you and we'll train you and we'll stand with you as you stand with us. Hear the cry of the Lord as he seeks for laborers to come in into the harvest. And so that's, that's where we're going. And the ministry team, if you'd like to come up on the platform and uh, also the guys uh, just come up as well in case you've got something, Daniel and Christian and, and Gabriel. And also, I know we have a ministry team rotor and that rotor is like once a month or something. But I want, as much as possible, if you're, able, if you're on the ministry team and you're here, wear a badge. You don't have, if, if you're on the ministry team, you don't have to be rotored. I mean, we have a rotor so that we know we've got ministry team. But if you're on the ministry team, you can be on the ministry team every week, not just the day. Yeah, you can come up. You can come up, doctor. Uh, you can come on the ministry team every week if you want to. We want to increase the ministry that comes to this platform. We want to increase the surface area of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for a touch from God? Shall we release the prophetic word of the Lord amongst us tonight and open our hearts and see what the Lord is saying and the gifts of the Spirit? Are you ready for that tonight? Father, we thank you in these days you're raising up a body of ministry. You're, you're training us and growing us. And your word is going to be released in powerful ways to heal and to restore, to encourage and release. So Father, we pray in this place today that you will impart spiritual gifts. Lord, we thank you that in these days it's not just going to be one man or one woman or some superstar or but God, you're going to use us all. You're going to release your spirit through the body to the body. That's your desire. So Holy Spirit, come amongst us, we pray. Speak to your people. Touch your people. Heal your people. Release now amongst us the words of prophecy, the words of knowledge, the touch of healing, the touch of the miraculous. Just where you're sitting, just open your hearts to the presence of the Lord and let him begin to fall on our lives like spring rain let him just fall upon you like spring rain soak in the presence of God as the supernatural hits this place tonight 
Hallelujah. Ministry team, if you've got something, a word, a brief prophecy, or something you believe God is doing amongst people or in a person tonight, just come and let's... Um, yep, Daniel. And even though, this, even though some of the words may not be for you, just keep drinking in the anointing and the presence. I just got a, a word, and there's probably just only a handful of people here, about your status. I just got this picture of your residency. I think it's in question. And uh, the encouraging word that I feel is for you is that if God has brought you here, and he has brought you here. He's got a plan. And he has a way. And we're just going to help with that status, that residency issue be resolved. And maybe somebody here is like, I've been given days to stay. Or, or maybe you've just been going on an ongoing process that it just seems like it's, you're never going to get forward. Something's going to happen. God's going to speak to you. He's going to quicken something. And something physically, practically is going to get released. I'm happy to pray for anybody. Is there anyone here that can say, yep, that, that word speaks to me? Can you just wave? Yeah. Upstairs, is there anyone as well? Yep. Come out of your seats, right down to the front. Yep, come out right to the front. And Daniel's going to minister. He's going to pray for you right now. You do that while we continue here. So if that word speaks to you, we've got some who have owned that. We're going to minister. Yeah, that's right. Don't ever be uh, shy to come out. This is your moment. And we're for you, we're not against you, we're here to stand with you. You've got nothing to fear in coming out for prayer here at Kensington Temple. Yeah, I'd like to pray for anybody who is in the middle of going through a legal case, court case, um, legal, whether it's connected to work or family, whatever. I just really feel that God wants to pray and minister to anybody that's in that category. God is on the throne and God is in the high court of heaven and he can has the jurisdiction over all circumstances and situations. So anybody in that category, I'd like to pray for you. So we've got a gentleman here. Anybody else? Uh, Beverly's going to come and just pray for you just here, just so we can keep and um, come out. If that legal word is for you, then down here. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beverly's going to come. She's going to pray for you. Yeah, if, it, if, if it's legal, yeah, come, come on out. Feel free to come out. Okay. Um, I'd like to place for people who have an issue um, with the spirit of jealousy and competitiveness. Um, the word I've received is that somebody, they've been looking at their life, but they're looking at the people around them, their, their, their peers per se, and they're looking at their fruit and it's like, they're like, well, where's mine? And they're focusing on their fruit and what they've done, but they're not fruit. They're not focusing on what they're supposed to be doing. And so, if there's anybody who's like that, they 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 just feel discouraged and they feel down in the dumps because they feel like everyone's doing really well and they're not. Um, it's time for them to refocus, to focus on God and focus on what their pro, what, what their purpose is. Because when they focus on their purpose, they will get their fruit. But if they look at someone else's fruit, they're not going to get anything. In fact, their their fruit will actually be diminished so that if anyone who's got that kind of spirit within them then please come up if you'd like to go downstairs if anybody owns that wants prayers for that then uh... also the Lord is, um, want to heal addictions especially um, alcohol addiction 
if you, you're somebody who is, I mean, who can control your alcohol consumption, which has over, overcome you, and you know that you have been declared that you have um, this kind of addiction, um, if you'd like to come, we pray for you. And also tobacco addiction, yes? Alcohol addiction and tobacco addiction. If you are in that kind of um, situation, uh, the Lord is going to heal you. Is anybody... Yep, so if you want prayer for alcohol problems, you might say, well, I'm not addicted, but it is a bit of a problem. I've been leaning on alcohol too much recently, or um, I've gone back to the cigarettes, and I'm under pressure, and we'll pray for you. Not judging you, we'll pray for you. God is putting his finger on these things to encourage you and say that he is with you. Sorry, um, it's it's some. I don't know if ladies or male, you got some burning sensation inside your um, your stomach. It's, it's similar to um, like acid reflux, and it's it's really uncomfortable um, for you. And 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 you also uh, uh, have a word for for someone that you are thinking about divorce. You haven't made the decision um, to go for the divorce, but it's. It's been going through your mind. Should I um, go through that? I believe that the Lord has a word for you as well. And, and there's somebody who's having a pain uh, on their right side uh, of their stomach around here. If you want to come and receive prayer over that side. Okay, if you go downstairs. Is anybody here, you've, you've been experienced some trouble or pain? So did you say in the right side? Marcia. The right, the right side. Yeah, the right, the left. Is it all right? Left all right. We'll pray for you. Is there anyone who needs prayer for that? Come on down. Come and get your healing right now. Um, the word that I had is, first, the picture is the fact that the church is an army and we're moving as an army. And you know a good army, they, they, they walk in ranks, they are precise, they are in line. And the word that I had is that some of us have sort of moved slightly out of line. So it's a case of realignment with the things of God. And the devil's sort of throwing things at us in our lives to try and make us use those things as excuses not to move forward with the things of God, not to line up. And it's not a word of condemnation, okay? There's no condemnation in Christ, so don't feel guilty. But it's just a case of God is saying, come back, just be fired up and move forward. The enemy is trying to distract you, but let him, you know, kick him and keep running. And if that applies to, I know all of us are probably not where we should be, but if that really applies to specifically you, come and I want to pray for you. Yeah, the, the first thing is um, someone's here who's got a throat problem that's affecting their vocal cords. Um, God wants to heal you. It's a, it's a reoccurring thing. It keeps happening, happening, happening. God wants to heal. God wants to heal you tonight. Where, vocal cords, just, are you here? Where, yeah, okay, so if you come forward, I'm going to pray for that. And there was something else, wasn't there? Yeah, and, this, and the second thing, there's two or three people here that's, it's not just a minor thing, it's a s- severe fear of death. They've been keeping them up, it's been keeping them up at night. They're afraid for themselves and their family that, that, that they're going to die. 
and God wants to break that off your life that is not from God that's got to go in Jesus name fear of death sometimes you all get a little bit scared but this is a fear of death that is dominating your mind and God wants to set you free from the fear of death okay and anybody else remember if you're in the balcony um, it's only a short walk downstairs and it could be where you get your victory um, you've been feeling tired and you're on the verge of giving up I want to pray for you Amen Amen it's so wonderful to see people ministering we've got bus drivers been ministering to you GP just ministered to you there Amen. God is releasing his presence. God is doing things in people's lives. Where you're sitting, don't spectate, participate. God can drop words into your heart right where you're sitting. He can touch you right where you're sitting. Um, there's a few people here tonight. You've been waiting for a breakthrough, but um, there seems to be a blockage. Um, the word I receive is that there's strife in your life, so um, you need to forgive those who've hurt you and move on, and then the Lord will be free to um, bring that breakthrough in your life. Thank you. Uh, there's someone here tonight who is holding on to... All right. <laughs> holding on to an age-old grudge. It has to do with unforgiveness, and the Lord is saying that His power is here tonight to... I mean, to deliver you completely. It has to do with family issues, and you've been holding on to it for quite a long time. And you're saying to yourself, yes, I'm a born again, I'm spirit-filled, and, and you know, uh, all I have to do is just to stay away. But God is saying his power is there to deliver you from unforgiveness. And the other thing is, and God is saying, that God, someone is crying here tonight, that Lord, open the heart of my eyes. I want to see you this year. I want you to guide me precisely as to what to do and how to do it. God is saying he's here to guide you. If you have the pausing place, um, we are here to pray for you. And the third thing is, God is saying to someone, you are carrying on a responsibility that is not meant to be. You are taking on responsibilities that you are not meant to take on. And it's like everything is coming at you, but you don't even know which one to take on and which one not to take on. God is saying he's here tonight to guide you as to what to take on and what not to take on. So in order for you to flow in his presence and not to be distracted from what he has called you to do. I mean, remember when you're hearing prophecy, you say, how do I know if that prophecy is for me or not? Well, very often it will resonate on the inside of you. It'll click. God will put his finger on you and you'll hear that word and something will happen on the inside. It will click. It makes sense. If you're not sure about prophecy, you don't have to rush in. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can take something and weigh it and, 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 and give it time. But often you know it's you. And when you hear something, you think, you know what, that is me. That's when it's time to respond. We've got anything? Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, there is someone in particular here tonight. Uh, as uh, Christian was sharing the uh, offering concerning the ruining of the house of the Lord, and uh, there are about three people that actually... Um, pledge concerning the kingdom shareholder that's what God was saying to me but there is the there is a particular person that uh, she made that pledge she 
made that pledge, but as soon as you go back to work and you are talking about redundancy, God said, try me, test me in that, make that pledge, and I will come true for you, even more than you can think. Thank you. Kingdom shareholders, you, you can look at that on our website. It's the fundraising arm of the church, and uh, we launched that in the autumn. So somebody made a pledge to the Lord and is being encouraged by the Lord to fulfill that. It's a picture of a teenage girl who is entering uh, a relationship that she shouldn't be entering. It's like she's being groomed by this older man and the mom doesn't know anything about it. So either the teenager who is here tonight uh, to be prayed for, for that thing to be broken, or the mom who is here tonight who might have suspected something and isn't quite sure, you know, for God to open your eyes to see exactly what's going on. And another thing is for someone who feels quite broken, quite heartbroken, as if you are in, you, 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 you're quite trapped into something, God wants to free you tonight. John, quickly. If you feel that you've been hassled in your head, consistently being hassled in your head and you've asked for prayer before but you want God to touch you again and you feel that you should come up um, I'll pray with you it's just being constantly hassled in your head all the time thank you um, just I had kind of a general word uh, for, for a lot of us. I wonder if there's anyone here who finds that when you come to church there's such a preoccupation with the things that you've got to deal with in life that you cannot, don't have the liberty or the sense of freedom to move forward in the things of the kingdom of God. And you want to, there's a desire somewhere, but you're sort of saying, God, I need you to deal with my situation and then I'll be able to take care of the business of God. And I, I really felt that there's one specific stream in this is that uh, Jesus is saying, or that Jesus taught us that he has given us the tools we need to handle our situations. And most of the situations we find ourselves in are due to unforgiveness and, and difficulties we've got into with people where we've not dealt with the issues properly. Now, Jesus taught us something powerful. He said, uh, pray our Father who is in heaven. And in that prayer, it says, forgive those who have sinned against us just as you have, uh, as forgive us just as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And sometimes we say, God, I want peace, without understanding that the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray was, forgive us just like we've been forgiven. Because in that forgiveness, you find the peace that you need in order to step out into the things that Jesus is calling you to do. And so the tool is there, the, the things you need to do are there to step into forgiveness, to begin to release forgiveness so that you can step into peace and achieve what God is giving for you to achieve. And that really will help deal with a lot of the things of being preoccupied with other things and rather being now able to leave behind baggage and step forward into the things of the kingdom of God. So what we're going to do is, if, you, if that relates to you, you're going uh, to come forward and pray or stand right where you are and pray. That's right. We're going to just spend some time ministering into these and others, but we're all going to stand right now. I'm going to be bringing the word in a few moments' time. I have a prophetic word speaking to the church that's asleep that God is going to bring an awakening. But let's right now, let's minister to the Lord. Whatever your need is tonight, this is the time of God ministering to us. So during this worship song, I want you to reach out. I want you to stretch forth your faith. I want you to connect with God. And we're going to have a touch of the Holy Spirit right now.
If you need prayer, come forward right now.
please take your seats. Ministry team, if we can just pray quick prayers of faith because we're going to move on in the service right now. Make sure everybody gets prayed for, but you're just praying a prayer of faith because we're moving on in the service right now. I have a word, prophetic word that I'd like to deliver to you. If you have your Bibles here tonight, I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. Matthew 26, verse 36. Ministry team, you're going to have to hush at the front, please. Ministry team, thank you. You can pray, but finish off your prayers, but but quietly, and then everybody can take their seats. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, and their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. One of the most powerful records of the life of Jesus, because do you know the battle for Christ going to the cross was won and lost in Gethsemane. It was in Gethsemane that Jesus gave his final submission to the will of his Father. I mean, three times. Three times he said, Father, is there any other way? No, seriously, if there's any other way, but if not, your will will be, your will be done. But that's, we're not looking at that submission so much tonight but we're looking at what the disciples were doing during this incredible time that the Lord was going through. You know, I know you're all grateful for the Lord's blessing on your life and grateful that the Lord is always there for you. It's great, isn't it, that if you're a child of God, God is always there for you. Jesus is always there for you. But have you ever thought what it must have been like to be with Jesus at his time? of need. I mean, 
he was, verse 37, sorrowful and deeply distressed. When I read that, I thought, you know what? I find it hard to imagine the Lord of glory being deeply distressed, being deeply sorrowful, being in a very difficult time because the Lord's the Lord. The Lord's always in control. The Lord will do right. The Lord, it's, it's, all, it's, it's us that's distressed. It's us that's sorrowful. Lord, help us, help us, help us, help us. And he has been helping us tonight. And I hope that some of those words and prayers, you realize that's Jesus ministering through the body into your lives. But here was Jesus. And, you know, isn't it wonderful? I know Jesus is fully God, but you know what? He's also fully human. And there was a time of need. And what did he need? He needed his closest with him. Have you ever been in a place where you just need people with you? You may be in a sick bed or a hospital bed. And sometimes the person doesn't need to talk to you. You just want them there, don't you? You just need them to be with you. Well, Jesus needed his disciples to be with him. He kept going back to them. It was like he was going away and he was going through the most difficult time of his life. He was offering himself at this place to the Father, ready to die. And it's like he'd be praying, and then it was like, I mean, I know I'm reading a little bit into it, but I think it's fair point. Why did he keep going back to the disciples? Because he needed them. He was going through, I need my friends. Where's my friends? I need my friends. What? Oh, they're asleep. I really need you right now. I've got to go back and pray. And then he's praying, and we know that the Bible says that he was so intense that blood came out of his, he sweat blood, and he's going through it, and again, he needs a break, and he's going, where's my friends? I need them. Peter, James, John, where are you? And we see this time, while he was deeply distressed, verse 40, he found them sleeping. What, could you not watch with me? And then when he came back in verse 43, he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And then when he came back the third time, he said, are you still sleeping and resting? Now, where I'm going to go with this is the fact that how incredible that the disciples were asleep during this monumentous moment in history. I mean, they were asleep at the foot of a tree and while Jesus was going through his nightmare, they were lying asleep, dreaming. They were in a dream world. While the balance of heaven and hell, salvation, was taking place in the Savior's prayer, they were oblivious to what was important or real. They were dreaming of whatever they were dreaming. Now, I don't know whether they'd had a, they just had that Passover meal, whether they'd had a couple of glasses of nice red wine and a nice meal, and they just wanted to have a nice sleep. But one thing was, they were totally oblivious to what was taking place. They were asleep. This is a message for us because there is, it is possible for us, not just that they were naturally asleep, but you know what? The church can also be spiritually asleep. And could it be that in this hour, could it be? I'm just posing the question. 
Could it be that our Lord and Savior is distressed again? Could it be that the Lord is deeply sorrowful and distressed about the state of the church? Could it be that the Lord is deeply distressed and sorrowful about the state of London? Do you, do you think that Jesus is distressed about the city of London? Do you think he's sorrowful about Great Britain? Do you think he's sorrowful and distressed and concerned about backslidden Europe? Or do you think he just doesn't care? Well, you know the Lord and you know how he feels. And could it be that there's things perhaps even personally in our lives that Jesus is sorrowful about, that he is distressed. I mean, there's times for us to be distressed and sorrowful, but what about the Lord? And could it be that these things, the church, the city, the nation, our lives, could it be that he is distressed, and yet when he's coming for us to do something about it with him, that he finds us with eyes heavy, sleeping, and in our own dream world. Sleep is a powerful theme throughout the Scriptures, especially when it comes to the end times. And last week, you can look at it on the media, KT Media page if you want, but last week at the 5 o'clock service, I was preaching on the truth of the soon coming king. Not just the coming king, but the soon coming king. And we'll look at some of these parables. Often in the parable, Jesus talks about the danger of people being asleep, unready, and unprepared for his coming. After all, it's been 2,000 years and counting. Probably be another 2,000 years. Don't be so sure, because the Son of Man will come at a time when very few are expecting him. If you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there's an illustration here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And 1 Thessalonians 4 is uh, Paul addressing what happens to believers that die because many of the Thessalonians were so awake to the fact that Jesus was coming soon that they were surprised that people were actually dying. And so Paul had to minister a, a powerful <laughs> message to um, to them, saying, I don't want you to be worried about those that have gone to be with the, the Lord and be ignorant about them and that they're going to be raised from the dead. But in verse 5, he speaks about, chapter 5, he speaks about the coming of the Lord. And listen to this. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. This is a message for us today. If it was a message for the Thessalonians, how much more is it a message for us today? Because Jesus is coming soon. 
And he's saying it is possible for people to be asleep. To be asleep. What does it mean to be asleep? It means that we're not spiritually awake. That's what it means. He's not talking about physical sleep, is he? He's talking about the fact that it's possible to be spiritually asleep to the things of the Spirit and to the fact that this life is going to end very soon. Now, he's talking about the soon coming king. And uh, Jesus is coming soon, sooner than you and I probably realize. Sooner than you. And are we ready for the coming of the king? The New Testament church was ready for the coming of the king. They were sober, alert, prepared. They were working in the light of the fact Jesus is coming soon. We can't mess around with sin. Jesus is coming soon. We've got to make disciples. Jesus is coming soon. We've got to get the gospel out. The time is short. The time is at hand. We've got to be ready. Let's not go to sleep. They were awake to the reality. And even if Jesus does not come in our generation, this generation is going to pass away very quickly. How many of us will be, will be alive in 50 years? 60, 70 years. Realistically, how many people will be on this earth in a few decades? Yet so many times we live as if we're going to be here on the earth forever before we realize it. God willing, and we don't go earlier, before we realize it, we'll be in an old people's home wondering, where, where is it all gone? Where is it all gone? What's happened? And we've slept our way through our lives. For some Christians, the first time they'll be awake is when they die. Isn't that crazy? Because you talk about, and Paul says, I don't want you to be concerned or ignorant about those that have fallen asleep, which is just another word for saying dying. But when you die, it's not like you go into some soul sleep. When you die, your spirit, if you're a Christian... Your spirit is immediately separated from your body and goes straight into the presence of the Lord. For many Christians, that will be the, the wake-up call. Because they're living their lives in slumber like those disciples, unaware of everything that is going on around them. They're in slumber. They're in dream. They're in sleep. They're just going through the motions. And when they die, the first, things out of their, first words out of their mouth will be, Oh, my God. And that'll be two reasons. Number one, they'll be seeing him. It won't be by faith anymore. He will be there. But the other reason will be, oh my God, it was true after all. I'm not saying they didn't believe in the Lord, but they didn't live as if the truths were real. They were in their slumber, and they were like the world. You see, Paul says the world is in a sleep, in a slumber, to the things that are real. And don't us be like that as well. In Romans chapter 11, 8, we see that there is such a thing as a spiritual slumber. It's a judgment. Romans chapter 11, verse 8. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of sleep, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day, a spirit of slumber. Now, in this particular situation, it's speaking about the partial hardening of Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. 
but it shows us that there is a judgment of God, which is that he allows people to go into spiritual sleep and spiritual slumber. To be spiritually asleep is to be under the judgment of God. Uh, that quote from Romans chapter 11 is quoting from Isaiah chapter 29.10, which I'd also like to read because it's more general. Isaiah chapter 29 Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 10. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep. Isaiah chapter 29 verse 10. The Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and has covered your heads, namely the seers. In other words, he stopped his prophetic word when God stops his prophetic word, or the people of God stop listening to his prophetic word and acting on it, we are already talking about sleep, spiritual sleep. Come with me to Matthew chapter 24. I want to give you the samples of Jesus' warning about spiritual sleep. And if you don't think that you're spiritually asleep, there's a danger that you are. Matthew chapter 24 verse 36. Matthew 24 36, but no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but only my father. But as the days of Noah were so were, sorry, as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the son of man. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark and did not know about the flood, did not know until the flood come and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other is left. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour that the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And then we go right straight on to another parable, the faithful servant and the evil servant. I didn't need to go to it in, in detail. But it says, verse 46, Blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will found, find so doing. And then the classic, chapter 25, verse 1, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five were wise and five were foolish. Those that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oils in their vessels with the lamps. But when the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. I'm going to say that again. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. The bridegroom has been delayed. And how many, I wonder, of us are slumbering and sleeping? What is this? It's a spiritual slumbering. It's a lack of awareness of spiritual truths and spiritual realities. And then it says, verse 6, At midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. 
Interestingly enough, R.T. Kendall, in his letter to his partners in the new year, one of the things that he was talking about comes from this verse, verse 6, and at midnight a cry was heard. And I hadn't heard about the midnight cry. You may have heard of the doctrine of the midnight cry. Has anybody heard of it? I hadn't heard of it. And so Colin instructed me on it. And the midnight cry, I began to Google it, was a strong move in the late mid-1800s. That's where it came. Where people believed that before the Lord returned, there would be a midnight cry. There would be a cry in the spirit realm that would wake the church from its slumber to end time harvest and action. And these are RT's words, not me. He believes that the midnight cry is coming, that God is awakening the end time church from its slumber. And RT said that he believes that that midnight cry will come in his lifetime. And he's not 22, if you know what I mean. So what does that mean? It means that God is wanting us to awaken. And the worst thing is, do we even know that we're, we're sleeping? Because you see, when you're in sleep, you're in a world of your own, aren't you? Did you have a dream last night? I did. I remember it visibly, vividly. Vis- vividly. I was walking and talking and functioning and living. I was in a dream world. And if we're in a dream world and we don't even know it, then we're not going to be saying we need to be awoken. And the vast majority of the Western church is spiritually asleep. They're like the disciples while Jesus is in agony. The vast majority of the church don't, don't, give, a, well, they don't give a hell about lost souls. Not really. We're card-carrying Bible believers, but we don't, we don't, we don't really think about these things. In fact, some of us like to be asleep. Do you know, when it, when it gets difficult, maybe this is just me. I think maybe I've grown since, but there was a time in my life where if it all got too much, get that duvet. Come on. Pull it over your head, and it didn't matter. You just stayed under that duvet as long as possible and just sleep and hope that the real world would go away. I'm ministering to you right there, Marcy. You've been there. I can see you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. So sometimes we want to go into a slumber. Sometimes it's easier to remain asleep than face the realities of of life. But God wants us to awaken. RT, making reference to him again, he said that he believed that 9-11, remember 9-11? He believed that that was a wake-up call. It wasn't God that did that. The devil did that. But nevertheless, it was a wake-up call, he said, to the church and the world. But he believed that the church woke up and then rolled over and went back to sleep again far quicker than it should have done. Are we in a dream life? Are we, are we like those disciples when... The reality of heaven and earth, salvation and discipleship is going on in Gethsemane. I mean, the whole of salvation is at stake. And Peter is dreaming about fish pie. Jesus is sweating blood. And James 
is dreaming about his new girlfriend. Jesus is on his knees saying, do I need to drink this cup? And John is dreaming about FA Cup glory with his favorite team. I mean, they were dreaming. They, they, they were having nice, sweet dreams, just slumbering. And Jesus attempted to wake them. He spoke to them. The word went forth. He attempted to rouse them three times, but they just went back to sleep. You know, you're an alert crowd. If, if you weren't alert, you wouldn't even bother coming out on a Sunday evening. But sometimes you can see people in, in, in a service, or not you, but you can see people in a service, or you can preach to people, and they're asleep. They're looking at you, but spiritually they're sort of like, that's oh. what they're like in the spirit. And they went, what? Oh, and the word is going out, and the, the call is going out. And, like, eh? oh, yeah. and then, you know, the service ends, and they what? And then they go back to bed. And then they come out again on Sunday morning. And then the word and the spirit, and Jesus is trying to rouse them. And some of them go, what? Hey, what? What? Oh, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ten minutes outside. And, you know, they don't think that they're asleep. But they're asleep walking through life. God, I don't want to sleepwalk any longer. I don't want to wake up on the day I die and go, oh, my God. Oh, can I go back down? Can I do it differently? Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I wish I hadn't messed with that stuff. Oh, there's so much I could have done. There's so, I didn't, I just, I was just asleep to the things of God. I was asleep to your coming. I was asleep to your purposes. I was just in my own little self-centered dream life. One of my favorite films it's a film called Awakening. Anybody watch that? With Robert De Niro and Robin Williams. And if you like films, I really recommend It's one of my absolute favorite films. And this film is a true story. It's based on a true story. And it's a story about a, what they call sleepy sickness. Or, for those that are medical, may have heard it, um, What's it called? Encephalitis lethargica. I know what lethargy is. Encephalitis lethargica. Heard of that one? Well, it hasn't been around since 1926, but there was a wave of this epidemic, 1915 to 1926, encephalitis lethargica, sleepy sickness. And what it did is it attacks the brain and it leaves some of the victims in like a statue-like condition speechless and motionless. And in this film, you see this hospital where all these people are like, and they just stand there, or they just sit there. And they are literally like statues because of this sleepy sickness. And the story is Robert De Niro, it goes back in times. He's a seven-year-old boy, and he gets hit by this sickness. And all of a sudden, this alive, seven-year-old boy with all these seven-year-old dreams, all of a sudden, he just turns into a statue. He just goes to sleep. And then 40 years later, we have Robin Williams, the doctor, and he's looking after these people that just don't do anything. 
they've got this, they're asleep to life. And he thinks, and he thinks maybe there's a drug that he finds that helped Parkinson's disease called L-Dopa. And he takes this drug and he begins to administer to it. And basically the miracle is the drug begins to have an effect on these people, Robert De Niro, and they begin to awake for the first time. And it's incredible because when Robert De Niro in this film awakes, he's 42 years old. The last thing he remembers was when he was seven years. All that time has gone. And, you know, it's a great film for like, I just think it's, a, it's just a, so much power in it. To see him look in the mirror for the first time, and instead of seeing a seven-year-old boy, that's when he was last awake. He's looking in the eyes of a 40-whatever-year-old he was. And then you see them rediscovering. It's so beautiful, rediscovering life and one another and what it is to feel and what it is to live. I mean, really live. They'd been in a dream, asleep for all those years, and you see how marvelous it is. But then the drug begins to have side effects, begins to lose its power. And you see Robert De Niro begin to fall back, and he knows what's happening. And there's these moments where in these last conversations that he's having with the doctor, Robert, Robin Williams, where slowly he just goes back into becoming asleep, a statue, and he's back there again. And it's such a powerful film because if that's natural, like I've been showing just a few scriptures on, how spiritual can this also be? I think sometimes, I'm not speaking, in, like I said, I'm not particularly addressing you as individuals. You have to make your own uh, decision about where you are in this. I think sometimes God quickens us. I mean, last Sunday evening, if you were here, wasn't that a wonderful quickening, an awakening? I mean, basically, all Nathan did was ring the bell. He just rang the alarm bell. Rang it and rang it and rang it and rang it, rang it. Wake up, wake up, wake up. That's all he was doing. Wake up, wake up, wake up. When I took the platform, he was out there praying. I just looked and I thought, wow, people are connected. People are, people are awake. And sometimes, if you've been a Christian for a while, do you remember times when God really moved in your life and you were really alive and awake to the things of the Spirit and the things of the Spirit were clearer and nearer and dearer than the things of the world? You know that song, was it? Uh, Put your eyes upon Jesus. Stare into his wonderful face. And the things of the world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That beautiful song, you know, turn your eyes on Jesus. And then everything in the world begins to fade. Turn your eyes off Jesus. Then everything in the kingdom of God begins to fade. And the things and the glitter of the world begins to grab us. And there's times when God has awakened us. But there's also times, even if it was just for a season, when you slumbered, when you slept. Maybe there's some people here, and you've got a testimony of when, well, I don't know if it's a testimony to, to say, I've got a testimony of when I backslid. I don't know. Well, it's all right if you came back, but maybe you remember when you backslid early in your life, and you look back on it, and you think, oh, my God. I was just asleep to the things of God. I was, I couldn't be, my friends, my Christian friends were trying to wake me up. But I was like, no way. You ever woken up somebody that doesn't want to get awake? 
like a teenager, you know, wake up, five more minutes. Or the alarm goes and snooze. We've got any snooze button presses here today? It's like, bring, oh, snooze, snooze, snooze. Later, Lord, snoozing. Lord's ringing the alarm. Snooze, Lord. Snooze. Some of us have been pressing snooze for years. Some of us have been pressing snooze for months, weeks, days. God wants to awaken us. He doesn't want us to be sleepwalking. He wants us to be awake to the things of God. He doesn't want us to be like in that film, Awakening, where, we're, where the things of the Spirit were just absolutely asleep. Asleep. God is sending His Spirit and through His Word and, 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 and through the prophets and the preachers. But you know, not all preachers are trying to wake us up. Some are helping us sleep. And I'm not talking about physical sleep. I remember there used to be a man who used to sleep regularly in my services. I mean, not just sleep, but he used to sit just about there. He used to snore. I mean, he used to put, tip his head back and snore. But I refuse anyone to wake him up because that man was out every night feeding the homeless. And so he was so tired. He'd come, he'd come into the services with his bag of sandwiches. And he'd be out every single night feeding the hungry. And so I thought, well, he's welcome to sleep in my services. The rest of you aren't, but he was. And um, I don't know why I said that now. Anyway, it's a good story. What was I, why was I saying that? But some preachers, some preachers, they, they have the words. And although it seems like they're awakening you, they're actually keeping you asleep. Because they're just reinforcing your dream. They're reinforcing the slumber, the dream world that you're in. So they're promising you get rich. They're promising you God's happy with you. God's got no, you know, everything's okay. You're okay. God's okay. Don't worry about anything. It's all fine. Let's have a knees up. Everything's good. And, you know, we're fiddling while London's burning. And they're fiddling this tune. And they're preaching what the Bible says in the latter times, they will preach these falsehoods. They will tickle our ears or stroke us back to sleep. We might hear the jarring sound of the Lord. We might hear the trumpet blast or perhaps the midnight cry. Jesus is coming soon. Time is short. Shake yourself. Wake yourself. And then along comes a preacher and strokes us. There, there. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's all there for you. Whatever you want. It's all about you. It's all about you. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all about you. Hallelujah. It's all about you. See you next week. For it's all about you. You'd be surprised at who those preachers can be. You'd be surprised. Instead of awakening you, bringing concern. I know that pastoral preaching, and I'm going to come to a close now, is meant to, we're meant here to encourage you, and Colin's message this morning on grace was just so wonderful. I'm not talking about that, but Colin, as well as preaching pastor, he's one of the most challenging pastors around, isn't he? I mean, have you read his latest book, A People of Passion? 
you know? It's big enough for a pillow, but you're meant to read it. I mean, if you read that, but if you've got people of passion, don't let the devil put you. Read it again this year. Read it again, the first half especially. Read it again, and you will hear, perhaps now, the Holy Spirit is doing a work in our lives. I, I want to awaken to a higher intensity. I look back on my life and ministry. I remember a friend, friend of, um, uh, of the ministry, used to be a minister here, and he told me, Bruce, you don't realize how much you've got at Kensington Temple. Well, I do, but what he meant was, is that you, the people are so awake at KT. I mean, you should try it out here. And he was telling me about the area he's in. He says, he says that they're dead. They're the living dead. They're zombies. They won't do anything. You can't get them to do anything. In, they don't want to know. They're not interested. He said, at KT, I said, it's incredible. It's so, so alive. There's so much going on there. It's so bad out here. And I thought to myself, well, if, we're, if we are suffering from this sleep syndrome, which many of us are at Kensington Temple, and it's that bad out there, but the thing is, who do you compare yourself to? Do you go, if, if someone like, if you're, if you're sitting there and someone is flat on their face snoring, and you just feel a bit drowsy, well, compared to them, you're wide awake. God is speaking to us, friends. Let's bow our heads in prayer, not sleep. God is beginning a work of awakening. We use the word awakening for great revivals, but God is disturbed. Jesus is disturbed about the state of lives. He's disturbed about our family that's going to hell. He's disturbed and concerned about the city. He's disturbed and concerned about what God has for this house and whether it will rise up for it, rise up to it. He's concerned and disturbed in a positive way. And he's wanting to awaken us so that we no longer sleepwalk, but we open our eyes. He that has eyes to see, let them see. And those that have ears to hear, let them hear. And let us begin to allow the Lord by his word and his challenging discipleship message to awaken us. And in our cell groups, let's awaken one another. Let's provoke, let's, let's stop out one another from falling asleep. Let's not in our cell groups put one another to sleep with nice sleepy words. But let's challenge one another. Let's be iron sharpening iron. Let's bring out the best in one another. Let's awaken one another. Let's challenge one another. Let the sleepiness come from our eyes and let us see things as they really are. Not as the world tells us to be. Let the Word of God become living and active in our lives, alerting us and bringing us more. And let, let, let the awakening in our lives, the midnight cry, pierce our heart. And like the early church, let us say, do you know what? I'm ready. I'm getting ready. I don't know when the Lord's going to come, but when He comes, and if He comes in my life, He'll find me doing what He left me to do. He'll, I, I won't be burying my talent and going to bed. I'm going to put what I've been given into action. I'm going to put. I'm going to live for God for what's true. I, I'm going to be awake, not slumbering. I'm not going to be there in Jesus' hour of need, dreaming about this and that and the other. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to tarry with him an hour. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to share, share his concerns, share his burdens, share his power, share his understanding. 
This is a work of the Spirit. We can respond to the Spirit, but it's the Spirit's work to awaken us. It's Him. We're not manufacturing this. We are responding to Him. And lastly, in this last prayer, maybe there's someone here tonight and you're not right with the Lord. You need to be saved. You're in the sleep of spiritual death. But tonight, Jesus is speaking to you, saying, I died for you on the cross. Don't sleep while I've died for you. Don't roll over when you hear the message that whoever believes that Jesus died for them on the cross and rose again. If you believe that, you shall be saved from your sins. When you die, you won't go to hell. You'll go to heaven. Don't roll over and go back to sleep. But awaken to the gospel call right now with every head bowed. If you're ready to become alive in Christ and to say, yes, I won't go to sleep. I hear the God. I want to be right with God tonight. Lift your hand right where you are and I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. Upstairs. Lift your hand right. That's it. Other hands. Lift your hand right where you are. Don't be so sleepy. That's right. That your hands will stay low. Don't let your hands be, be low with, with sleep. If you got, Are we awake? Consolidators? Are we awake? Yeah, good. Other hands are going up. Anybody else? Awaken to the reality. Come out of that sleep of the world. Be made alive in Jesus in the name of God. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on. We're going to finish with a song that's awakening. <laughs> a lively song. Those of you that lifted your hands, someone's got a gift they want to give to you. I'm going to take you to pray for you in a room, give you a gift and just make sure everything's all right. We're going to stand together. We're going to take, there's going to be more of this on Sunday night. It's a lot more to come. This is just the beginning of the awakening that we believe God's going to do in this service. Let's stand together and let's go out praising the Lord with eyes wide open and awakened to the things of the Spirit in Jesus' mighty name. Let's go.